Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneurs podcast. My name's Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. If you're new to the show, then welcome along. Just take a second now to subscribe in your podcast player so you don't miss new episodes and so you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. Again, if you're new to the show, then you will want to join our Facebook group. Just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be right there. In his 2015 book, The Automatic Customer, John Wirillo puts forward that you can create recurring revenue on a subscription basis, no matter what business or industry you're in. And in the graphic design space, some have taken the stack them high and sell them cheap approach with businesses like Design Pickle. But today's guest, Claire Jenks, has taken a very different approach and done some genuine innovation. So welcome along and let's meet Claire. Claire Jenks, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for making some time for us. No, thank you very much for having me on. It's my pleasure. It's great to finally be able to meet you with um, bunny ears. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. So, so do you want to start maybe just uh, traditionally telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? Yes, of course. Um, so I'm Claire Jenks. My business is also Claire Jenks. Um, I am a graphic designer and I run a design studio with a focus on branding and visual content. So I work with a lot of small businesses, uh, membership sites, personal brands, people who are creating a lot of content um, and help them kind of inject their brand into all the content visually that they're sharing on social media, on their website, digital marketing covers a big area doesn't it (laughs) it does i think i think the kind of work you do probably reflects the kind of community that you move in and that is something i'd like to talk about a little later on but for me the thing that leapt out of your website and a lot of the things that i see you talking about is canva a lot of designers i'm quite sure look at you giving you the evil eye saying, what the hell is she doing? Um, And clearly you must have a good answer to that question. But tell me about Canva, why you are such a Canva advocate. Yeah, so I just, so there's, there is, there's a lot of designers who will think, what are you doing? Kind of, it's, it goes against the whole role of graphic design and all the qualifications that we go through, which I did, I went through university and everything. But I just think it's a great tool and there's people out there, especially smaller businesses who haven't got the budgets to hire in design agencies and get people like that on board the team. And I just think it's a great way to embrace tools that are out there to get them started on that kind of journey with visuals and graphics. Um, So I kind of like to be able to help them in that sense, because the rules still apply to Canva as much as it does my I can't, you can't see my fingers now, my professional design software in quotes. Um, but I think it's just a great tool that's available to everybody, especially small businesses who are wanting to start to kind of create graphics and visuals for their business, but don't have the bigger budgets that they kind of wish. And I think it's just a great starting point. So I like to be able to help her, give a helping hand to those people to get them started. So they're not 
behind the times and waiting for that point where they've got the budget before they begin. They can kind of get started earlier. I think the, the thing I really liked about your business model was there's the traditional design agency where they're all Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign and associated paraphernalia. But it's very, very difficult to learn that as an amateur. Um, and then there's Canva on the other end of the spectrum, which is is powerful. There's there's no real barrier to your creativity there. There is a bit of a learning curve if you really want to get into it, but it's not a steep learning curve. But it, but what you bring to that is, because I think it's important to, to say for everybody, because I've done my research, you're not just somebody that's discovered Canva and said, hey, I'm going to be a designer now. You're a very experienced, well-trained designer that's worked in big agencies. Um, and that's important to say because for a lot of people, Canva is a route into a design career at a, at a basic level. You're not that. But what I think is really nice is there's the agency on the one end for a lot of people. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's people like Design Pickle, where it's completely done for you. Um, sort of all you can eat graphic design, but the quality is very, very varied and it's quite expensive. But what you offer for some of your clients is a very neat done with you service where they've got you facilitating some rails for them to run on, um, helping them stay on those design rails, but they can do a lot of the heavy lifting themselves, which is what is definitely missing. That's it. Now, I, I love the collaborative side of it as well, especially the Canva kind of opens you, opens that up, which I loved about it. And I had so many people, like you say, who kind of could dive in, they could do bits, but they needed a bit of hand-holding or just a bit of advice to keep them so that they were confident about what they were sharing because they could dive in and do bits, but they didn't have that confidence to then put it out there. So... I feel like I've come up with something that kind of gives them the bit of the confidence, bit of the handholding, but they can, they can dive in and do a lot of it themselves um, and share back to me. And I go, yeah, that looks great. Put it out there. And I think there's a chance I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole with this. And I'm curious to know in terms of the, the general Claire Jenks workload, uh, what proportion that kind of service reflects as opposed to the traditional you, you're, you've got your head down just doing the work for the clients yeah so Canva compared to kind of the other bits and pieces that I do yeah the more traditional yeah for you service it's probably about 75 25 85 I'm trying to add up my maths then <laughs> so the, the, the sort of 75 percent being the more traditional approach yeah but it kind of comes in waves as well and um, it's it's something that I end up doing a lot more of um, and I really enjoy it once I get into that collaborative side of things and working with people and seeing them start to create stuff themselves there's a real satisfaction in that side of things um, and I've got videos and things that I can then share with them and they can go off and spend time by themselves which is great and then they can come back to me and check things um, so yeah it's a nice balance I think at the minute and another area that you work a lot in it appears to me is not the traditional annual reports and business cards but it's much more leaning towards digital marketing and content marketing Um, but you don't appear to be saying to anybody 
let me just take over your content marketing. It's more, again, collaborative. How, what does that look like for you? Um, um, so this is somewhere where I've kind of been niching down on as well because um, I just think it's a really exciting area of the market and more and more people are starting to realise the impact and importance of visuals when they're digital marketing, especially on their social media and things. It It's proven that you can get higher reach and engagement if you start to include images and there's all sorts of stats to prove that. Um, so more and more people are getting excited and want to kind of start introducing visuals in um, so that's kind of where I've been doing a lot of work recently um, but again it's kind of the content it's, I work very collaborative with different people so content covers so many different areas so copywriters video editors podcast hosts like yourself um, so I think content's a bigger picture so it's nice to work with people in a way that we can create content to really push their message out there and cover all basis um, and make it more exciting for people. A, a challenge I've always had with content marketing when you're trying to work with a client is it's very easy to sell content marketing to a client because you're addressing a very distinct pain for a lot of small businesses. I know I should be doing digital marketing, this person's coming to tell me they'll take the pain away. I just have to give them some money. But the number of clients that I find are actually willing to participate in that rather than just have it done for them is, is very, very small. So what qualification process do you have for a, a client in, in order to make sure you're not going to fall into that trap of taking on a client that you know you're not going to leave with a smile? Yeah, so I um, so a lot of the clients I work with, I work on kind of retainer levels, um, and there's a reason for that, and it's so that I can really get into know their brand um, a lot more, and I can work with them at a closer level. Um, so before I even start working with people, we sit down and we work out what they're what they're trying to get out of their content marketing, what their plans are, what their messages are, where they've learned why they should be doing it, and who they've learned it from. Because um, people have different ideas about it as well. Um, so I'll always have a sit down with people right at the start and find out actually what are they wanting to get out of this and what does it mean to them? And then we can explore the ways that we can then work together, um, which together is the important one um, to ensure that they're happy along the way and they are going to get those results and goals at the end of it. And is it fair to say that the people that you work best with generally would already be creating content they're looking at you to supplement the visual aspect of that yes yeah a lot of the people um that i tend to work with have already on their content marketing journey as i call it and they're already producing content some people um i was having a conversation earlier this week um, with a lady who has produced a lot of content or has a lot of content sat in a bank waiting to be published because she hasn't got the assets to go alongside it and she doesn't feel confident just sharing it as it was. She wanted the visuals to go alongside it. So I've got people at that end who have got loads of content which they haven't yet shared because they're waiting for the extra bits and pieces to make it look the best it can. And then I've got other people who have been 
doing content marketing for years and they're looking to really raise the next level and those people um, who are then looking to kind of introduce visuals or upgrade the visuals they're already using um, are looking to add that extra bit of value to the people that are consuming their content and which is a really interesting angle for me I find. I think definitely I mean I consume way more social media than I really should and I, I, yeah I think a lot of people are guilty of that and it's it's very distinctly clear that there are a lot of people creating content, but the content that stands out is the content that's well-dressed. That content may not be the best content in the world, but it gets the reach and it gets the amplification because it looks good. So things like the social cards that go along with posts, the blog headers, the, the lead magnet covers, the video tiles, these are the things that that the hooks that the eyeballs catch on. Um, and I think so many people are let down by not having that done well. Yeah, it can actually have kind of have the other effect where people just turn off. Um, and I always say visuals within the no like and trust of marketing, um, your visuals start with the no and the like, and then it's up to the content that they then go into for the trust. Um, but people notice things and visuals I think it's 80% visuals are more memorable than text. So if you think about that in a good, in a positive way, that's great. So if you start and putting visuals alongside your posts on Twitter, for example, you're really going to start getting noticed. But if those visuals aren't really up to scratch or they don't reflect your brand in the best way, then they're going to be noticed 80% more memorable yeah. for the wrong reasons. So it's, it is important to get them right as well, um, which I think that's why a lot of people either don't do them or put off sharing content out because they feel like they haven't quite got their visuals to go along with it. Yeah. I'd like to look at your business a little bit because you mentioned a lot of your work is retainer based now. And actually for a graphic designer, that's quite odd, especially an independent graphic designer. I know a lot of them and they're very, very project oriented and typically small projects. Um, so in your business now, what proportion of your revenue would you say is recurring revenue? Oh, probably about 80, 90%. Yeah, that's pretty outstanding. And I think that I had a feeling that that was the case, which was why I was quite keen to talk to you, that a lot of graphic designers, I will almost guarantee will sit up and listen to that because that's just odd. <laughs> I'm an odd kind of person. <laughs> which leads me on to my next question, which is about business development, sales, marketing of your own business, because to achieve that, you must be doing something different there. So if we were to look at, for example, the typical spread of where the work comes to you, it's typically either referral based or it's through your own inbound marketing activities through content marketing things like that, or it's outbound sales activity. So which of those three dominates for you? The referral is the biggest one for me. Um, I'm very lucky in that sense that I've got clients that will talk nicely about me. So I'm obviously doing something right. Um, and that is where most of my work has come from and it always has done. Um, and even more so since I've moved to the retainer model, um, I find that it's even 
pretty much most things. I'll get the odd ones through website um, and through social media and I attend quite a lot of events um, and conferences as well. Um, so I get inquiries through them. But then again, when I look at why then they've then followed up with me, it's because they've then gone and spoken to someone else and said, oh, what does Claire do? How does she do it? How does she work? Are you happy with her stuff? So it all goes back to the referrals, pretty much most of the work. Hmm. And again, I think most people in the graphic design business that I know, when they are generally referral based, those referral referrals tend to be local. But looking at the kind of work and the kind of person you're doing it for, I'm suspecting that's not the case for you. Yeah, no, I have clients. So I'm based in Newcastle upon Tyne or Northumberland in the northeast of England. Um, I have clients as far south as London and as far across as California. Mm. So there's not actually many local clients. I've got a handful, uh, but there more and more over the last year. I've started to kind of spread further afield, um, which is great. You've got to be aware of time zones, <laughs> which can get a bit tricky. Um, but I love that fact of working with so many different people because they all work in different ways and they've got different ideas about things. So I find it really interesting. And that really leads to the question of what does your own content marketing look like? Because you can't achieve that spread of that, that geographic spread without having a clear content marketing plan, networking plan. It just, just doesn't happen by accident. Yeah, you think. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things have happened by accident, but no, there's, there's I, I, more I think you plans. Can, you, you can have the beginning of it by accident, but then to yes. maintain it, that needs consistency. Yeah, that's it. A lot of, so I actually fell into business by accident. <laughs> so that's my very early accident that happened. Um, but yeah, so my content marketing and networking is, um, so I do blog, which do every now and then a couple of blogs a month, um, just to kind of talk around kind of the areas that I'm looking into. And I've got a whole stack to come of questions that I've been asking. I've been doing a lot of YouTube stuff recently, which is a whole new area. Um, so I've got a whole blog series ready to come about that to make people aware about um, what visuals can do and how they can use them, either themselves or come to me to ask for more um, advice. Um, and networking, I do quite a lot of that. So I try and strategically go to a few events around the UK as well as further afield. I was out in San Diego at Social Media Marketing World in March. Um, so that was a great way of being able to see people across the pond. I kind of put face to face and explain a bit more about what I do. So I will have spoken to them beforehand, then gone across there and built up that relationship. And that's where a lot of my kind of work comes from is that building of relationships so a lot of my kind of marketing side of things is relationship building up until mm. that point where they, they want to buy and they know who I am and they know what I can do for them and we get on well that's a big thing for me as well is to make sure that we've got a synergy between me and the client so looking at clients then what is an ideal client fit for you how do you define that yeah, so my ideal client is, so as I say, the, the clients I 
tend to work with a lot at the moment are membership sites and um, personal brands. So people who are really creating quite a lot of content. So because I can also help manage them in terms of getting that content out there as well and put a plan into place. So people who are producing a lot of content for their audience who have already started, they've, they're already creating that content, but really want to take things to the next level and provide more high quality content for their audience, but also are looking to attract a new fans and followers. Um, and they're the people I'm kind of honing in on. Hmm. And I think that makes perfect sense. I totally get that. And I'm glad you have a clear answer to that question because you you probably wouldn't be amazed, but a lot of people would be how few people have an answer to what does an ideal client look like for you? Yeah, I think it's a really difficult one. Um, mm. And it's something I'll ask when I'm working with clients because you've got to tailor your content and the way you're presenting yourself to align with your brand and who you're wanting to speak to. So it's something I'll speak to clients about and it is, and it's, it's taken me a while to work out where I want to be. Um, I've just hit eight years of business. Um, so it's taken a little while for me to kind of work out what areas I want to be in, who I want to work with. But since I've become clearer, it's so much easier to speak to people and tell them what you can do to help them. Um, which again, I think helps with the referral side of things because people then know when they're speaking to people how they can speak to other people and sell you and put you in touch with people who are your ideal client. I think one of the things I'd like to look at next is as I've roamed around your world a little bit, uh, I saw you doing a bit of speaking and I'm curious to hear a little bit about how that's going. Now, I'm trying, I, I want to have a general conversation about speaking because it's a point of interest for me and I think it's something that a lot of people find personally challenging. But the reason I'm particularly interested to hear your take on it is to many people who look at what you're doing, if they hadn't listened to this podcast, they think, but she's just a designer. What can she talk about that's new? And that must have been a barrier for you. To, to well, What am I going to talk about? How did you approach that? Yeah, it was a it was a big barrier. And that it was also the same with content marketing and kind of blogging and creating videos. What am I going to talk about? What do people want to hear from a designer? Um, and I'm just kind of early on my speaking kind of journey. I had a goal this year to, to do three speaking um, gigs and I think I'm up to eight. So <laughs> once you start it, you get a bit of a buzz and you keep going. Um, but yeah, the, st the starting point was, what am I going to talk about? What do people want to to know about from a designer? And one of the interesting things when I was kind of researching and looking into kind of what other people are doing, because I like to get a scope on kind of what other people are talking about, what's my niche going to be? There's not a lot of designers who talk or stand up and well we all talk but <laughs> stand up and speak on stage and I think it's a trait of designers I might be wrong in saying or assuming this but we tend to just hide behind mm. our Apple Macs and just get on heads down and working Um, so I thought it was just a great opportunity to be able to stand up and talk more about design and help people understand how it can help them in their business and 
the content marketing and the visual branding side is something that I thought I'm going to grab hold of that. I've seen a lot of people talking about branding generally and marketing generally, and they brush over, they'll mention visuals, but they'll tend to brush over it quite fast. Um, so I thought as a designer, I've got kind of the qualifications to come in and really take that niche of the market and start talking about visual branding and how it helps in various different ways and the importance of it. And I've had some really good feedback so far um, and I've spoken across different industries. So I've done a couple of speaking um, panel sessions as well as by myself at IT conferences, um, which is a really interesting industry because they don't really do a lot of marketing, um, the smallest scale um, businesses and they definitely don't really know how to use visuals. So it's interesting putting my expertise into an industry that I wouldn't expect to be stood in. So that's kind of how I've approached it. Um, rather than I mean, going for a marketing industry who generally understand kind of what I do and why I do it. Yeah, I think I wouldn't get away with not asking the next question because there will be people listening who think, okay, I understand, I should probably do a little bit of speaking now, or at least start moving in that direction. Being early in your speaking career, those first steps will be very fresh to you. And I think the first thing most people will think after they get over that hurdle of thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, is how am I going to do this? Um, how do you find those first speaking opportunities? The one so far this year, again, it's just networking and people who I've spoken to, I kind of, I always put out into the world what I want to do and what I'd like to do, just in case someone ever has that opportunity. Um, a very close friend of mine puts out to the world about his bucket list and things happen. So if you say to people, oh, I want to speak and I want to speak about this, opportunities seem to land on your doorstep a little bit because um, they're so well connected that they can put you in the right direction and give you that support and find where the best places are for you. Um, so that's how I went about it to start with, to find those first opportunities was just asking around and telling people that's this is something I'd quite like to do. Do you think people would be interested? Do you know of anybody who's looking for speakers? Um, and that's kind of how it started. I've done a little bit more research since then and put together kind of a list of people who might be interested, people who run events in industries that I want to speak to um, to kind of niche it down a little bit further and have a bit more of a strategy behind it. But to start with, just put it out into the universe and see what happened. <laughs> I don't think anybody's entirely comfortable with public speaking. So I think let's get back onto some comfortable topics. I'd like to speak about Canva again, um, because a lot of people listening will be thinking, I need to up my game with the visual elements of what I do. Some of them may want to come and speak to you. Some of them may want to just get into something like Canva and go, all right, I'm going to have a go. So what tips would you have for anybody who doesn't come from a design background but and wants to avoid making all the mistakes you know people make at the beginning? Yeah, oh, I've got loads of tips. Um, so the first one, if we're going to focus in on Canva, is to don't get down the rabbit hole of jumping in and trying to 
use all these thousands of templates that are in there. It's, it's a great resource. There's so many different templates for various things, but have a plan of what you want to do. If you're using Twitter, for example, and you're wanting to start adding visuals into your tweets, go into Canva and look for the Twitter templates and choose one that you quite like and focus in on that and start using elements. If you've got colours that you're already using in your brand and fonts, use that as a starting point because it's so easy to go in and get carried away going, oh, I'm going to start creating PDF downloads and this, that and the other. And before you know it, you've started 10 different templates and never finished anything. And you've spent hours <laughs> getting creative, which is great. But you're going in there to do something to get something at the end of it. Um, so that would be a big tip of mine that I find people kind of get overwhelmed by everything that's in there and everything that's possible because it is a great tool. Yeah, it's very easy to get lost down the rabbit hole of trying things out but and forgetting what the end goal was. That's it. Remember what your goal is, why, what you want to achieve, what you want to create and remember at the end of it how your audience is going to view it and consume it. Um, that's a big tip from me, yeah. And I think another thing I'd like to ask you is if a lot, a lot of the time when I'm working with clients, a before and after is a really good way of showing something. So you must have some great stories of people who were producing great content, but it was falling flat. It wasn't achieving any reach. And then they add some visual elements and suddenly things change. Without naming names, do you have any good stories around that? Yes, I do, actually. And it's something that I've just been recently putting into a presentation because I just think it's a um, really good example. So I have a client who was um, creating a lot of content for LinkedIn. She, she does blog posts on her website and then she puts them onto LinkedIn. And she was using the same stock image on her website as she was on LinkedIn, um, as articles, that is. And these stock pictures... I mean, they were all right. They they were very loosely based on or chosen for a reason, um, but there wasn't really any thought behind it. There definitely wasn't any branding behind it. Um, it was just done because she needed an image to put on on the top of it. That was all. Yeah. Um, so we sat down and we had a look at her branding and how we could very simply create a template to, that she could then use both on her blog and on LinkedIn. Um, we created this in Canva. So using her brand fonts and her brand colors and simple stock photography, but we, we changed it in a way that it wasn't just stock photography. We kind of put color overlays and things like that to make it a bit more interesting. She then, she didn't change anything on LinkedIn. She didn't change the time. She didn't change the way she was writing, anything like that. Um, and she increased her views by 370%, <laughs> which is just outstanding. <laughs> and that right. was, we couldn't put it down to anything else but the visual. So then we started putting visuals inside the blog post and trying to beat our previous score. <laughs> it became a bit competitive. <laughs> and, 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 that and that was sustained, sustained I imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's that stayed, yeah. Yeah, it was a big success story. So I guess... Speaking of success stories, um, I'm curious to know where you want to take your business. I think a lot of people in the agency world, they, they're taught to think in terms of scale. Um, 
and obviously you'll get busier. Um, I'm curious to know what your plan is for that. Yeah, so this is probably it's one of the reasons I moved to the retainer kind of model. One, so that I could really get to know clients and get to know their brand and grow with them on their journey, but also so that I could see where the future of my business was going. As project-based, it was getting quite tricky to work out where we were going to go and how we were going to scale things. Um, so bringing retainers and things on board means that I am hopefully, I've already started this process, is to get a few design associates on board. So they will all work for themselves, um, but they'll come on board in order to bring their expertise in different areas um, to be able to kind of provide more value to my clients and be able to provide more content, more design time, and to be able to bring more people on board and make them just as successful. And in terms of your team at the moment, which is are there elements of your workload? Because your workload will be diverse. It won't just be client work. Which elements of your workload have you managed to delegate so far? So I have a VA who helps me with my emails and calendar and kind of organizing that side of things. Um, so especially when I go out to all these events and networking opportunities, I decided that they were such great opportunities to go to, but things then stop in the office. So I brought on board um, a girl to help me with that side of things. Um, I've got an accountant who does all my finance because I'm a very visual person, not a numbers person. So that was the first thing I outsourced. Um, and I am now... Um, I've got two design associates for the design work so far. Um, so yeah, so the next stage, I think, would be someone to pat my bags for when I go travelling. <laughs> <laughs> <Valley. laughs> yeah, Claire, I think you have been a brilliant guest. I have really, really enjoyed that. And I've learned so much. I'm sure anybody listening has learned a lot. Hopefully they've been inspired to up their visual game. Some of them may come knocking on your door. Some of them may head off to some Canva tutorials. But if, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Yeah, so they're more than welcome to drop me an email at claire at clairejenks.co.uk or I'm also on Twitter, that's cjenksdesign. And if you like pictures of the beach, because I only live five minutes from the beach, you can come and stalk me over at clairejenksdesign on Instagram. Thanks so much for your time, Claire. Uh, I look forward to meeting you properly soon. I love Claire's approach because it's very creative, commercially productive, and allows Claire to focus on serving a very specific niche, and she knows it very well. So before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You can find a link in the show notes or just hit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and you'll be right there. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me. And it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Claire for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. And see you next time. <laughs>